Sirius XM joins us now. Alex, thanks for being with us, man. Hey, thank you so much for being with me. And obviously, my thoughts and prayers are with the city of Toronto. Stay strong. This too shall pass. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, as you know, uh, two people are dead, the shooter dead as well, and that big shooting on the Danforth as the investigation continues into that. I, I want to ask you, uh, Tony Sperano dying suddenly. Yeah. And we get off to a start with this, but it, it seems like something every football person I follow on Twitter or someone I follow follows on Twitter is, uh, one, can't believe, but two, can't say enough great things about Tony Sperano. What's his impact on the NFL? Well, we're always going to remember him for the game that he outcoached Bill Belichick. Mm-hmm. And they caught the New England Patriots by surprise, right? The third week of the 2008 season, the unveiling of the Wildcat. And, you know, you see some of that, you know, still to this day, although you don't see running backs really in that position anymore, you've seen it evolve into quarterbacks using what's called an RPO, a run-pass option, when they get the uh, when they get the football. But you've seen some, some zone read, things like this. And really, this was the forerunner of it. And how, for that one day, the Miami Dolphins could not be stopped by Bill Belichick. And the frustration of the Patriots coaching staff on the sideline is something that, you know, the anti-Belichick crowd will always, always relish. But, you know, Tony, unfortunately, you know, what, what what happened to him happens to a lot of coaches in the NFL when you don't have a franchise quarterback. You don't win. And really, right from the get-go in 2008, the first move that the Miami Dolphins did with Tony Sperano as head coach was pass on Matt Ryan to draft Jake Long. And Jake Long is one heck of a left tackle, but Matt Ryan is a franchise quarterback. And, you know, they thought Chad Henney could be a, you know, that, that guy for them could be their franchise quarterback. And he wasn't. They never, they never figured out the quarterback position. And then Tony, you know, took over one more time as a head coach in Oakland on an interim basis. And, you know, he'll be remembered there for burying the football once the team got back, right. you know, and he took over, he buried the football and, you know, but, you know, and he did lead him to a win. But you know what you see on Twitter and social media, universal respect for the guy. He loved football. He was a great offensive line coach and he'll be sorely missed. And by the way, I can confirm Chris Mortensen's report and this one makes it even more tragic. Thursday, he goes into the hospital. He's having chest pains. Friday, the hospital releases him. Sunday, it appears he's died of a massive heart attack. I mean, makes you scratch your head a little bit as to what's going on, but hopefully we'll get more information on that as time goes along. Uh, that is so unfortunate. Uh, Josh Gordon just re- revealing some news in the last, say, hour that he won't be with the, with the Browns for the start uh, of training camp. He needs some time to, uh, what, to work on, on his health, as he says. I mean, obviously dealing with comebacks from, from rehab and, and everything like that. Yeah, this is really unfortunate on a, on a couple different levels here. You know, the NFL has systems in place for players that have battled substance abuse issues like Josh Gordon has, and the fact that he's not going to be there at the start of training camp, I can't imagine that this was something that, you know, initially during the off season when Josh was going through the Browns program and, and around the team that they thought that he'd be opening up training camp, still needing to go through, you know, some rehabilitation steps and things to try to keep him on the straight and narrow. You know, fortunately, from all indications, he hasn't failed any drug tests, things like this, but he may just be struggling with pressure, with things that, that come with this type of disease. And listen, it, you know, obviously football players and the NFL is a microcosm for society in a lot of ways, right? And mm-hmm. that's how I look at it with Josh. I, you know, and it's, listen, when he's on the field, I mean, this guy could be a top five wide receiver, and I am not exaggerating when I say that. He has athletic ability and gifts that you just simply can't, you know, you just you can't coach it. You know what I mean? He's just that darn good. But, you know, all the goodwill surrounding the Cleveland Browns this offseason, this one, you, you take it, you know, it hurts because this, you know, this could have been maybe the best receiving core in football. 
football, and it still could be if Josh Gordon shows up and plays in week one of the regular season. But you got Jarvis Landry, the first wide receiver with 400 catches through four NFL seasons. Corey Coleman, a first-round pick who's under the gun to produce from 2016. I mean, so it's an intriguing group to work with Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield, but the Browns are a lesser team without Josh Gordon. Let's just hope he's back on the field for week one, sober and healthy, which is really the key to try to make this a long-term thing, not rushing to get a guy back on the field, then he has a slip-up, and then we don't see him again. Absolutely. Uh, Ravens offense coordinator Marty Morningweg saying Lamar Jackson is, quote, way ahead of the curve. Please, please, Alex, tell me they're going to take Joe Flacco, they're going to take him up back, they're going to put him in a car, they're going to drive him into the woods and leave him there and just start Lamar Jackson. Not quite yet. Ah! Uh, you'll have to wait until, uh, I think, 2019 or that, or if Joe gets banged up, or if the Ravens are, are losing the season, maybe you'll get Lamar on the field. And listen, this is a, a very critical season for a lot of folks in the Ravens organization. Steve Bishotti, the team owner, has already said, basically, and he said it's not an ultimatum, but we all understand he's expecting the Ravens to make the playoffs. Well, what, who's the player that right now puts you in the best position to make the playoffs? Probably Joe Flacco, until proven otherwise. And it's been very, it's been mediocre play for Joe the past couple seasons we can we can I know we can mediocre is really nice of you to say well you know what I mean but but you think about it the past two years they've been you know one game away from making the playoffs so it's not like he's been a a five and eleven quarterback something like that I mean he's but he's been a mediocre guy at best you know, at times, listen, he's had some good games in there. Think about this. The Ravens scored, and this is what's so crazy about this. The Ravens scored 20-plus points in every single game in the second half of last season. They're okay. the only team in the NFL to have done that. And it's not all Alex Collins, right? I mean, <laughs> Joe, Joe had something to do with it. But listen, here's the thing. You know, if you go to Lamar, you're probably taking one step back to go two steps forward. But, you, you know, if you're John Harbaugh, are you taking a step out the front door if you make that type of decision? Yeah. Lamar, you know, and Lamar, too, listen, there are some things that, okay, he's ahead learning the playbook, but what's going to happen when he's on the field? Are his mechanics going to break down? Is he instinctually going to look to turn and run like he did in college whenever his first read was covered? I mean, those are the things that you really need to work with him on. Joe Flacco buys them some time. And listen, this guy, I'll tell you this, too, you know, he will command a market in 2019 by any team that gets squeezed out when it comes to a quarterback. If they're looking for a veteran passer, you know, the salary he earns isn't as exorbitant in today's NFL, and you still have him under contract for three more years. So really to me, this is Joe Flacco is this year's Alex Smith, the guy who needs to have a great season as a dress rehearsal for his next team. Joe Flacco, 29th in adjusted net yards per attempt last season at 4.7. Uh, let, let's just go through the list of dignitaries <laughs> in which he is surrounded. 27th, two spots above him was uh, CBS color analyst Jay Cutler. <laughs> right behind him in 30th was C.J. Beathard. And in 31st, just fractionally behind Joe Flacco, was Tom Savage. Uh, hey, I would rather ouch. have had Macho Man Savage. Really, come Ooh, on. Oh, yeah. Come on. The thing about it, though, honestly, too, and again, I'm not sitting here to make excuses for Joe. The talent around him wasn't exactly great. The offensive line wasn't exactly great. But you know what Joe Flacco's paid to do, and I think you're hinting at this? He's paid to be great and to help make up for some of those things. And he just simply hasn't done that during his time post-Super Bowl as Ravens starter. Yeah, it's... 
I've always kind of felt that the belief of him is, is outsized to what he's given. But you get that Super Bowl, right? And all your sins are washed away. Everything is, everything is, is gone. Uh, let me ask you, Robert, or Alex, before I let you go. That's the second time in, like, I've called you Robert Marvis. I don't know. Do you have a brother named Robert, Alex? You know, I have a cousin named Robert who's in North Carolina. So maybe you two oh. have been in cahoots and, and trying, to, trying to work this on me. I don't know. I, I was once in, I don't know. I was going to make up some story about how I'd met him in North Carolina. i got to stop doing that. <laughs> Offensive Rookie of the Year, Baker Mayfield, Saquon Barkley, Sam Darnold. Who's the favorite? Go, go number two. Go, go Saquon, Saquon okay. Barkley. Although, listen, running back may be the spot, the sweet spot on this one. See, I'm just not sure what rookie's going to take the field first. I think Josh Rosen may, may just maybe beat out Sam Bradford and have that inside track to start. I think we're going to see him on the field sooner than later. You know, Shady McCoy, Mike Garofolo of NFL Network, just tweeting that he is expected to show up Wednesday at Bills camp and, you know, begin there. But if Shady isn't with the Bills because of his legal situation and what's going on with a police investigation, well, then you know, do you put Josh Allen out there with that group of wide receivers and Chris Ivory, someone who's not going to command putting eight in the box? You know, that's a toughie right there for the Bills. So I think running backs are going to get their fair share, and I think Saquon is that guy you don't want to take off the field. But keep an eye on Darius Geis with the Washington mm. Redskins. They love them, some Darius Geis, and he really might be the marquee running back that this team has needed, hasn't had in quite a while. And look, when Alex Smith has running back support behind him like he did last year with Kareem Hunt, the guy can do some things. You look at and you talk about stats. How about Alex Smith, the best deep passer in the NFL last season? Who'd have thunk it, right? He only waited 13 years to show those skills. (laughs) Finally, he did it at the right time, but just, you know, again, I think the Redskins are an intriguing team, really good offensive line. Keep an eye on Darius Geis for that offensive rookie of the year. I can't can't wait. Uh, Alex, thanks so much, man. I very much appreciate your time here. Absolutely love it. Thanks again, and stay strong, Toronto. Be good.